Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel this There's is... always this like real sense of anticipation just before we start electric. recording. Yes, it's electric. <laughs> it's like, where is this going to go today? Oh, where will it go indeed? What kind of profanities <laughs> and sexual nonsense will we get into? <laughs> All right, that's uh, my side. But you know what amazing insights are going to be going to stumble onto? And I should say too, like, I don't knows? know if the listener knows this, but we do not pre-script <laughs> or barely prepare I think, anything i think they can probably tell Anna. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. what but i thought we looked so buttoned down the spontaneity of what comes to our consciousness from our deep intuition as seasoned relationship coaches and students of life uh, absolutely it's very important i reckon we could record the same hot topic three times and probably oh come out with a very different podcast each time absolutely uh, and it, yes absolutely it's wonderful yeah. it's leaving everything to deep intuition yeah yes absolutely yes so how's your week been Ooh, thank you for asking uh it's been good and it's glorious it's getting into hot girl toronto summer i think we talked mm-hmm. about the summer dresses last uh yeah. close of last episode uh it's going crazy like the whole world descends on the Toronto downtown and the Mm. waterfront and it's just turns into like this hectic spectacle so yeah yeah Yeah. how about you know it's nice to see kind of some decent weather we Mm -hmm. had our first barbecue of the year oh oh first barbecue in the new house of your new house yeah exactly and And your patio furniture is up the patio furniture is up and we are now also the proud owners of two sun loungers so I love oh. a bit of garden furniture, oh. I have to say. Gracious. So, yeah. So we are awesome. living kind of like, you know, a nice, lovely holiday vibe, resort style lifestyle. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Do you think it's so much nicer when you eat outside? Oh. I just love it. I just love it. Arguably, that's actually what COVID, a, a real uh, legacy that they gave us is this patio dining. I remember the mm. patio dining came from, we had nowhere but the sidewalk <laughs> to to eat. It's um, pretty crazy, isn't it, when you think about it? it isn't it weird that we're looking back at like, oh, those days. I remember, I, I got to have a little bit of a, I remember the May of 2020 when we were just sort of like, and I was in, in New York at the time and, and the, um, the takeaway drinking or takeaway like margaritas had sort of just yeah. lost and and the mayor hadn't really tuned in to the fact that this would be a bit of a problem <laughs> so i remember like street side up in northern manhattan like with a bunch of other people drinking like margaritas out of a plastic thing getting pretty slammed because that's what we were doing in may 2020 <laughs> um street drinking like how and i was like this is freaking awesome yeah yeah <laughs> It did get shut down after a while, but man, hmm. those days, those, that day drinking, the like the margaritas to go. Yeah. And they were all giving like these like real specials, right? Because pe- businesses were so beleaguered mm. that they were trying yeah, to get yeah. customers back. So, yeah. oh, cheap day drinking COVID. I will, f- I will miss that. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy times. <gasps> oh God. Oh God. Yes. So yes. No, eating outside is wonderful. It is, it is. I've also been for a haircut this week. Oh, gracious. 
I didn't don't notice. It? I'm sorry. You always feel so much better when you've had yeah. your hair done, don't you? Oh my it's god! Just like an instant pick me up. Oh yeah. It it is. It's in the line of behavioral activation. This um psychological tool that we use for folks who are struggling with mood to pick yourself up. Like you may not mm. feel like it, but dress in a button down dress suit, you know, get, get dressed, brush your hair, not just the front, yeah. the back too. <laughs> <laughs> and get your hair done. Absolutely. Get yeah. your nails done, yeah. get your wax, get your bits waxed. That's yeah. really important. Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't have to wax your bits, but if, if you feel... <laughs> All right, not body hair shaming, but if you feel better with your wa- your your bits waxed, don't let them grow out. <laughs> Go to the salon. <laughs> All right. As we said, who knows where this podcast will go? <laughs> oh my god. Rope it right. in, Anna, rope it in. I'm going to bring you back. Okay, bring us back. Relationship desk of love. Get let's, me on the let's tracks again. Get to the again. desk before you uh, get to the desk before you get too carried away. <laughs> okay, so this week on the relationship desk of love. Mm-hmm. I have for you two major predictors of divorce and how to overcome them. Oh God, I need this like how. (laughs) Tell me immediately. (laughs) Okay, so this is um, according to the study by the Gottman Institute. So we've talked about Gottman Institute before. Mm. They have done like 50 odd years of um, studying couples in relationships and they Mm. can kind of predict with um, a fair degree of accuracy whether your relationship will stay together or not. So they've identified two major predictors of divorce. The first one is escalation of negativity. Oh, yes. And the second one is emotional disengagement. So we talked a bit about that last week, actually. That kind of fits with um, some of the conversations that we're having last week. So it goes on to kind of explain them in a little bit more detail. So escalation of negativity is when conflict escalates over time and becomes increasingly negative. This can look like yelling, name calling and criticizing. For example, a disagreement about finances can escalate into a heated argument about who is to blame for the current financial situation. Mm. Emotional disengagement, on the other hand, is the absence of positive effect. So it can look like ignoring, avoiding, withdrawing from your partner. For example, um, a couple may stop expressing affection towards each other or share their innermost thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's where, so I guess they're saying there's kind of two two sides of it. One is kind of, I'm going to emotionally kind of flare up and that's Mm going to kind of happen quite quickly. Or I actually just completely withdraw, shut down and... Mm. uh, you know, no longer take part in the relationship. Oh gosh. So it says both yes. of these are predictors that your that the health of your relationship um isn't in the best shape and can ultimately lead to divorce if we don't do something about it. So if we don't kind of step in. So it says in terms of how to counteract this, so mm-hmm. if you're experiencing these things, you want a bit of a solution. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so it says to to address the escalation of negativity, it's important to learn how to communicate. Surprise. There's our C's again. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So communicate effectively and constructively. This means avoid blaming each other, being defensive and criticizing. Instead, focus on expressing your feelings and your needs in a respectful way. So for example, instead of saying you always spend way too much money, try saying I feel worried about our finances when we overspend. You've got it. So the other thing too, as when I hear these advice columns, I am like, ah, it's sugary, it's sweet, it's sort of all the things I know. 
I think to punch not below the belt, but to really kind of like dig it in something that I don't want to hear, but I have to hear is, um, when I approach an argument, I like blacks and whites. I like things that are not my fault and I like to outsource responsibility (laughs) to the other person. Um, and so part of this is actually not going into something to be right, Mm. but going into it to be constructive. Yeah. And you want to go into it to try and find a solution, right? Not kind of, does it matter how you got there? The, the fact is you got there, you're in a situation that isn't tenable anymore and is causing you concern and anxiety and worry. So therefore you need to do something about it. And to resist the urge and also to own the shit that you're, that's yours. That's yeah. the hardest thing. Absolutely. To own yeah. the shit that's yours and yeah. to sit in that discomfort because we want to, defensiveness is that thing we want to flare up. We want to, we want to shut down conversation by being defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And owning our shit is the, the most important thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So just to finish off this, this piece then. So to address emotional disengagement, it's important to prioritize positive interactions and emotional connections. Just exactly what we talked about last week about making sure yeah. that connection is still there in the relationship. This means making time for shared activities, expressing affection and appreciation and actively listening to each other's concerns. For example, plan a weekly date night where you can reconnect and enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think date nights get a bit of a kind of bad rap, don't they? Because they became so kind of popularized and mm. we see them as being quite kind of forced. And, um, you know, so a lot of people do have like a real kind of negative reaction to kind of date nights. So, you know, just call them something else. You don't have to call it that. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think the key thing is, how do you, and it might not be a date night, it might be something else. How do you ensure that you are staying connected in your relationship? How do you keep that going? Oh, it's two to tango. I think one of the hardest things, which I have started learning is you might be feeling insecure, mm-hmm. caught up in your anxious, like anxiety spiral. You might be feeling pissed off and like you want to punish the other person with uh, silent treatment, all of yeah. which games I have played before many a time. Um, <laughs> so all these things would lead you to not want to cross the aisle to do something that your partner loves or like extending yeah. a hand, putting a hand on their thigh, saying, I love you, whatever that is. Yeah. I have realized the importance of crossing the aisle when you don't feel like it mm. and, and not in genuinely, I'm talking genuine. I'm like, Oh Jesus, I feel so pissed off right now, but I'm going to reach for this yeah. person's thigh. I'm going to put my hand in their lap. It's amazing to see what happens to your partner. They, they relax, they lean yeah. in, they melt. Yeah. Every action that you do to cross the aisle will result like it's maybe not immediately, yeah, but like you got to cross the aisle. When you yeah. don't feel like it, especially when Absolutely. you don't feel like it. Yeah. It's so yeah. important. Mm. You know, it's, it's thinking in that situation. If I wasn't pissed off and annoyed and uh, hurt by my partner, what would I do? What action would I take? Oh, I love it. I was just talking to my best friend and she uh, was just saying that uh, she was actually mad at her husband in the very moment. She's like, yeah. Or they'd come through. She was having some, she was having her feels and she was just coming out the other end of it. And the cool thing is she was reckoning and taking, she was taking full responsibility for her emotions. And she was Mm. also giving him a bit of a rough time, but she also wasn't letting it linger or drag in the air. And I heard him in the background and he said something like, we're going to be fine. We're always fine. It was this glass half full Mm. moment where like, sure, they had a bit of a blowout, 
words were exchanged, feelings were exchanged, hurt was sort of felt, and they're in the mending phase, but there's this absolute faith, we're going to be fine. This is this won't take us down. Oh, I tell you, like, it just seeing couples, if I could like distill the essence of the couple that sees the glass half full, it's mm. amazing. I think the only thing I would say about that is if you have this kind of belief that everything's always going to be okay, there is the danger that that complacency stops you from seeing and noticing oh. some of the things and actually kind of putting in the the energy and the effort to correct some things that maybe aren't on the right kind of path. Oh, oh yes. Don't fall down the other side of the mm. positivity cliff. You know, it's one thing having belief in your relationship, but if you believe that you know it actually doesn't matter kind of what I do or what happens will always be okay that there is a danger that then actually you think that that's kind of like a blank check you know I can do whatever I want and we're always going to be okay because that that isn't right either yes you've got it you're right so at any time we're we're walking tightropes in relationship there's no such thing as doing something like positivity, hopefulness, whatever that might be, there's such a thing as always going too far. So the tightrope yeah. is do just enough, but not too much on yeah. everything. And that's what makes relationship really hard. Walking yeah. tightropes, not in yeah. a way that's walking on eggshells. It's just, it's a fine balance that needs re recalibration all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it requires a full heart. It requires generosity and curiosity mm. and positivity but yeah. not too much. <laughs> and curiosity, uh, but not too much. <laughs> Don't be too curious. Curiosity killed the cat. Yeah. Uh, satisfaction brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. All right. I love it, Sarah. Awesome. Shall we, um, shall we do a hot topic? Let's do it. Okay. When is the right time to say I love you? Oh, oh my it's God. the L word. Who's in this spot right now? It's spring, everybody. It's spring. Yeah. With the sundresses and the uh, white legs uh, emerging comes this inclination to uh, bond and to step into relationship and move relationships to the next level. It's romantic. It's L word time, everybody. Or at least that's the, yeah. All right. When's the right time? When is the right time? I don't actually know the answer to this question. <laughs> Sarah, tell me. I, I need all um, these things. May, May 21st. <laughs> May 21st. <laughs> I don't know. Love it. Okay, everybody. <laughs> I don't, there isn't a right time, right? This is the thing. We want, um, you know, in, in life, we always want the kind of the easy path. We want the kind of the quick hack, we want the solution, we want the answer, we want somebody to tell us what to do so we don't have to think about it and we don't have to take any responsibility for who we are or what happens next. We could then blame somebody else. Truth and facts. That's not what's happening. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, you know, there isn't a guide that says, okay, if you've been together for three months, then, you know, within that time period, you must tell each other that you, that you love each other or six months or however, you know, whatever number, there is no number. Because mm -hmm. everybody's circumstances and situations are just so different and unique. And some people can fall in love and, you know, within kind of three days and say, I love you. Some people 
Could be three years down the line still haven't said it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, True. we're all just we're all different. I think the thing that it um it exposes when we're in a situation where we really want to tell somebody that we love them but we haven't quite got the courage to to say it out loud, it's generally because we're terrified that we're that we're gonna be rejected or the other person doesn't feel the same way that we feel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I tell you, there's a there's kind of like an EDM song out these days that says something like that love is on the tip of my tongue. That word is on the tip of Mm. my tongue. But there's this reticence to let it come off my tongue because of a fear of how it will be received. But it's just sitting there. I think everybody knows that feeling. Well, we don't want to kind of expose ourselves, do we? We don't want to kind of feel like we're out there and the other person isn't quite where we are or nowhere near where we are <laughs> you know we might say actually do you know what I, I I just feel madly in love with you I just you know I, I really love the relationship I love kind of you as a person and then the you know the worst kind of aspect then is if the other person turns around and says actually I'm not you know I'm not feeling those strong feelings that you're feeling yeah. like you'd be absolutely devastated if that happens and that would be a normal reaction to feel that way mm-hmm Well, I think the other thing too, and I kind of can feel this is you don't trust yourself because the thing is English is very limited. We have one word for love, more or less, where other Mm. languages like Greek have many words for love to to encapsulate many different types and flavors and shades of love. So I think our our language is very limited for one. Mm. One of the things I have felt in love with somebody very, very quickly, right off the bat, like I'm in love with them. Mm. I have a feeling that spoke to the infatuation stage, but it's very different to say, I love you. Cause that actually, like, if I might feel I'm in love with them, I might not feel like I love them. So Mm. that's the only kind of finagling that I can do in the limitation of the English language. I think the other thing too, is that I'm also aware of the infatuation phase. I know that if I say, I love somebody, I love you. I know that I love you a certain way today. But that love will be very different seven years from now, 15 mm. years from now. Yeah. The love that I have today will feel pale in comparison to the the shades and the nuances of the love. So sometimes do we say that I love you knowing that it is such a, such an, like a, like a, it's like a baby. It's like, a, it hasn't even formed yet. It's so mm. new. It's so nascent. I think the thing is not to overthink it. So mm. we, we kind of get ourselves caught up in a right muddle, don't we? Because we start to second guess, we start to question, we overanalyze situations. And I think this often kind of comes about this, you know, this kind of saying I love you to somebody. We can often, even the kind of most sane and um, savvy of us can get caught in that kind of cycle of really kind of overanalyzing it, overthinking it. I think sometimes you just got to go with how you're feeling and you sh- you know it's like any any other feeling you're just sharing it um but I think we, we place such an emphasis don't we on kind of those three words we do well and to that point too I, what I've discovered recently is that um you remember how our parents would tell us like uh, don't swear because swearing is just a very crass use of terminology. It takes away yeah. from your vocabulary. Like if you yeah. throw an F-bomb around, yeah. it means that you have not leaned into developing your English or your language capabilities to be able to express yourself in other ways. I am going to say something very controversial. I think that I love you is the same thing. I think once we enter those three words into our relationship, we stop 
expressing the way that we feel for each other in other creative ways. And what I've noticed is there's other, I want to keep, I want to keep developing my language around all the ways that I feel affection, closeness, intimacy, trust, and respect for this Mm. person. Because otherwise, like I, it can kind of come into this thing of like, I love you. Do you love me back? I love you. I love you too. And and Mm. then you start to shrink your vocab. I love you more. Oh my God. Oh my God. Somebody (laughs) murder me. Yes. No, I love you more. Oh my God. You can see that you're pretty much like, it's like, it's like the equivalent of throwing F-bombs around. What's interesting to me is saying I love you with other words and Mm. discovering all the other ways that you can say I love you or even indicate I love you. And that is, that has become a new fascination for me because not everybody feels comfortable with saying I love you Mm. so much so that we women tend to be very, very fast and loose with the three words, men not, but they are saying I love you in many other ways. And it's really important to tune in and to not shut down those other channels of saying I love you. Oh, I think we have the exact opposite in our relationship. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I love it. Let's bring the boxing gloves out, Sarah. We haven't had a death match in a while. We haven't, no. Spring is ready for <laughs> spring and bunnies and death matches. I think there are many females out there that also don't express themselves. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, sure, sure, sure. I love it. I was a bit so too what, fast and loose with gender, yeah. <laughs> so if you are kind of the type of person that doesn't, you know, doesn't feel quite comfortable saying I love you, then what other words would you suggest um, could be used instead? Oh my gosh. Verbal words, nonverbal. Um, there's somebody who, if they're feeling love but they're not wanting to express it in that moment. Mm. And I say, just because you've crossed the threshold and saying, I love you doesn't mean that you'll necessarily have comfort just like throwing that word around all the time. And and that's important not to get offended or anxious if the person doesn't say, I love you. But what if they have a way of looking into your eyes? And I saw this with a couple. It was amazing. I was coaching a couple. Um, the one person doesn't feel love from their partner, but I saw the way that their partner was looking at them when they weren't looking Mm when they were yeah. looking at me, the adoration in their eyes, I, I mm. wish I could have bottled it up. And funny, as I reflected this, I, I said, look, the way that your partner looks at you is mm. astonishing. I've rarely seen that kind of love in their eyes. And they said, oh, yeah, my mom says that. It's yeah. huge, though. It's huge, yeah. right? The way- but that's one of those things, though. It's very difficult for you to tell yourself to be able to see that in the same way that somebody else can witness it as an observer. Oh, Totally. I think it's really difficult to be able to kind of, you know, to see that, but we can recognize it in others. You've got it. It's so meaningful. It just because it, you don't think it has the same currency as the three words, like mm. what other things, what other ways? Well, I mean, if you identify as somebody, well, let's just say, okay, we didn't say you, we said some women out there we're still in, we're still in, uh, <clears throat> you know, no naming names territory. How might somebody who feels less comfortable staying the three words show their love? I think, well, everyone shows love differently, don't they? And this is the thing, um, you know, we talked before about the love languages and how people like to give, give love, receive love. Like we're all, we're all different in that. Um, but, you know, it is about kind of the, some of those kind of smaller little things that we might do for our partner. It's about really demonstrating that you have thought about your other half and, maybe the things that they like to do or like to um, kind of specific foods that they might like to eat that you would then kind of, you know, go out your way to source or just little ways that we can show and demonstrate that the other person actually means something to you. Mm -hmm. 
And that's going to be different for everybody because we each, you know, get kind of um, lit up by different things in life. Yes. And importantly here in the love languages that you will be inclined to speak in your love language. But again, it's really important if you're speaking Italian to somebody who speaks Japanese, they will not understand you. You've got mm. to learn Japanese to speak to somebody who speaks Japanese. Like that's the, you got to speak in their love language, just mm. saying. Which means you got to learn, observe and learn the love language, not passing it through your own interpretations and filters and then really learn how to speak in their language. It's so yeah. true though. Speaking in your love's love language is a way of showing your love for them, even if mm. you're not saying, especially like, you could be saying the three words, but if you're not acting according to I love you, then your partner will justifiably be like, I don't feel love. You say it, but I don't feel it. Yeah. But that's the thing, though. You know, we can't. Um, it's one thing to say, to, you know, say those words and for it to be, it can become quite sort of um, just rote, can't it? Like, oh, I oh. always say I love you when, you know, leave the house in the morning. I always say I love you when I wake up. Or it almost becomes kind of so routine that you're not feeling it and you're just kind of, you know, you, you do need the other elements that help to kind of back that up and to really justify it so that the person does actually feel love because words are only words. And I'll tell you, this is why I'm really interested now. And I think this is quite, at least I haven't heard this before, but I'm going to throw this out into the universe now is I want to challenge myself to use the words I love you like I would bring out a single malt whiskey like mm. a very expensive one. You keep that in the shelf and you don't throw it around yeah. in every situation, in every party. You're going to use other means and that's flexing your creativity and that's mm. whatever. I'm really pumped about the thought of expressing my love and and not overutilizing and keeping those yeah. three words. For me, those three words are really important. They're really beautiful mm. and they have its place. I don't want to just make them commonplace day to day. Yeah. And so, but I want to show my love all the time. So I want to be able to really kind of flex into all the other languages that I can uh, speak that in. Yeah. Oh, spring. So exciting. But yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I'm not going to make I love you the F-bomb of my vocabulary. Because <laughs> Lord knows I overuse the F-bomb. And I have to keep working on my vocabulary. Yeah, you and me both love. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, just dirty sailor relationship coaches across the Atlantic, waxing eloquent mm. on relationship and trying to keep it PG rated. Trying. Trying. Don't always succeed. <laughs> nope. Oh, God. All right. Shall we take a question? Yes, let's go. Okay. Today's question. How can I make my man feel happy? I feel like I'm always in trouble. <laughs> okay. oh my gosh i love this okay so i haven't short, had another short and sweet this week <laughs> oh my god it's short and sweet so uh, if anybody's interested this is totally not pg rated and totally contentious but chris rock had some very interesting i have a, a, a very important person in my life has has illuminated to me the wisdom of the social scientist chris rock about the four things that really every man just actually wants okay I can't really say any of them on air, but... What? <laughs> oh, the sandwich. You, you can't <laughs> yes. leave it hanging like that. Ah, okay. All right. Well, so kids go to bed for a second. So really just like... <laughs> oh, wait, what was it? If you're listening, oh, yes. put in some earphones right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Uh, so let's just say, um, okay, number one, uh, oral pleasuring of uh, the male member. Um, yeah. Attention to the, um, how can I say this without getting kicked off air? Um, gosh, I, okay, I'm going to leave number two because I, that I don't have any uh, uh, PG rated words. Number three is making a, him a sandwich. And number four is shut the F up. <laughs> I love it. It's so true, though. It's so true. It's so true. Give me some sexual pleasure. Make mm. me a sandwich. Feed my belly, and don't talk so much. Really, that re- I, and I look. I I believe that to be true. Okay, so okay, Sarah, you're looking like you're gonna like murder me. <laughs> let's let's I, be more serious. But I th- I think that fundamentally <laughs> that is true. I'm not gonna murder you. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> no, I like. Uh, I disagree with it a bit because I don't think that, you know, we've got these kind of real huge gender stereotypes that say, you know, men just want quiet life, they don't want, um, they want to be fed, all these things that we're kind of alluding to. But I actually disagree. I don't feel like that is the case. Mm. And certainly the kind of, you know, the male people in that I'm surrounded with, I don't believe that that's what they want. Ah, do go on. Say more. I just genuinely don't like yesterday we were sat in sun lounges in the garden and I had a bit of a talky head on so I was like and my other half was just kind of lying there enjoying the sunshine and I said to him do you want me to stop talking and he said no so oh had you made him a really good sandwich before then I have to say though, when he said made him a good sandwich, I thought that was um, some sort of code for something else. No, it literally And I was trying is. to think, what does that mean? Sometimes a sandwich is just a sandwich. It actually just meant a sandwich. <laughs> oh, I was like, what is this? I felt like I was missing out on something. Oh gosh, no. It's simply that. But yeah, I'm learning in up, Greek, sandwich in English is sandwich in Greek. It's the same. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. All right. Listen, I've completely lost where we are. We're on this. Um, what are we on? We're on the question. <laughs> exactly. So, how do you make a man right. happy? Yes. He seems to be always pissed off. Well, it's interesting. There's two parts, isn't there? One is the the partner's not happy, but the second part is I feel like I'm always in trouble. Like, hmm. Well, and that the thing is, rings a few bells for me. It is. It's funny because, like, the question is not how do I make him happy. It's how do I not make him unhappy. I think. So there's two things conflated. I think the second part of the question is the is the listener's problem. Is they they feel like they're always in trouble. That's the problem. Mm. Because happiness and unhappiness are not oh gosh, what was I anyways, to be happy is is not the absence of unhappiness. Mm. Explain more. So I think what we need to look at is why do you feel like you're always in trouble? What are the signs and symptoms of that and and you know, is there toxic elements of the relationship you know anyways I have so many questions what are your questions for this person well the thing that comes up for me that last bit about uh, you know I'm all I feel like I'm always in trouble like you're not this isn't a kind of adult and child relationship yeah mm. at least I hope it's not anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's that's a whole different ballgame oh god okay but, you know you're in a relationship with somebody it's not you know it's not parent and child this isn't kind of you know you're mm. not being told off by your dad um, or you shouldn't feel that way. So so mm-hmm. I'm wondering what it is that's really kind of um, creating that reaction mm-hmm. internally that I feel like, um, is it that I feel I'm not good enough? Is it that I feel like I, you know, I'm falling short of the mark? Is it that I, um, you know, are you genuinely doing things that you 
kind of regret or you think aren't kind of unsatisfying to you therefore you are making this kind of step oh god I must always be in trouble then because you know where is it that you there's something around kind of seeking approval there isn't there like I want the Mm -hmm. approval that I you know I'm a decent person and that the things that I'm doing are good and you know I want that approval from my partner well you know we can't really put that responsibility Mm -hmm. onto our partners yes totally you know so how do you distinguish that from yeah, I mean, okay, sorry, let me walk that by, you know, um, I guess what I'm concerned about is, and this is a very common state where you're, conf- where you're confused, you don't know what's up and down in terms of, am I crazy? Am I like, there's no sort of, um, how do you write, so- how do you set your mind, your approach and your intuition right? Because this kind of situation, I, I, I have felt this very thing as this listener is is mm. describing. I have felt perpetually in trouble. As I've zipped forward and fast forward the video of my life, I realized that it was, I was fundamentally mismatched for a person where the things that I like about myself just fundamentally annoyed them for their own issues. We just were not mm. matched. But I took their rejection of the things that annoyed them to say that, that I was wrong. Mm. Uh, and then as I went forward in my life, I realized, no, I just wasn't their flavor of tea. Yeah. And then when you run into somebody who's your flavor of tea, you're like, oh my God, they actually like all the things. And you're like, oh my God, there was nothing wrong with me. Although we all have things to change. Honestly, I have annoying things I still need to work on. But I just realized like be with somebody who like gets your flavor of ice cream or tea or whatever. Yeah. So what can help this person? Because I, I sense they're mighty confused. They don't what? know what's up or down. Yeah, but what I'd be interested in is is kind of what's led to this position. So how have we got here? How have we ended up in a position where we feel like we're not making the other person happy Mm. and we feel like we're genuinely kind of doing things wrong? So I'd want to just unpick that a bit more. And I can bet a bottom dollar there's some real wrong assumptions in some Mm. of that thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, has this person even had a conversation with the husband to to kind Mm. of say, you know... um, ask straight out like do I make you happy well I think and also do I make you unhappy because those are two different questions but at the end of the day I mean I I think just a a straight up provoking question like that is important I think the other thing too is like if you if you heard whatever answers that there were to that question what would you do with that information so he says I hate it when you do this I hate it when I do that I'm Mm. I'm generally dissatisfied with this that and the other so are those things that you are going to change? Do you want to change? Does he have to accept them? I'm just kind of curious about like, to what extent are we going to change ourselves to fit into the other person? Well, that can only be a personal decision, right? If they are things that you absolutely do not want to change, and they're part of, you know, the very fabric of who you are as a person, and you say, well, no, actually, I don't want to change those things. I recognize that maybe they're not floating your boat but they are something that's really important to me so you then would be more inclined to to stick to your guns but what if they said something about you that they weren't that keen on but actually you didn't like that either that then gives you the ability to be able to say well do you know what I've got it's more than just me now it's it's about you and us and Mm. therefore I want to take the steps to change that yeah there isn't a you know there's no hard or fast answer here that says you either must stick to your guns or you must kind of change the answer somewhere in the middle depending on what it is that comes up and also um 
the really mature adulting would be, I am unhappy in life. I'm unhappy with myself. And what you're seeing is a general unhappiness that has everything to do with me and very little to do with you. So, so that could certainly come up, right? I'm unhappy with my job. I feel stuck. I feel like my, I'm not in shape. I'm, I've given up on my marathon goals and I feel like I'm not moving in life. And so therefore I'm kind of like a wet potato, kind of sullen. And, and so that's what you see. So it's not that I'm unhappy with you. It's I'm unhappy with my life. That's another possibility that comes up. And it's more likely to be something like that. Yeah, true that. Because we can't make each other happy or unhappy, actually. No, no. I mean, we can do actions that kind of contribute to kind of um, how, you know, how somebody's feeling. You know, if we genuinely do something and we know that the other person doesn't like it and we carry on doing that, then, you know, we are contributing to that unhappiness. But it's, you know, it's then that other person's choice about what they do in that situation. Yeah, well, and there's other things that can happen where we realize that we're growing apart, our goals and our fulfillment, our mission in life is divergent. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe we had hoped to achieve something that the other person is not interested in partnering with uh, us. And, you know, when we realize, gosh, you know, I, I have to go off and do that thing. And I'm unhappy if I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, I mean, it could be a blend, it could be I'm unhappy because I'm not fulfilling this dream and I need to be in partnership with somebody who can help me with that dream. Maybe if there's codependencies, whether it's Mm. children, a home, um, being health fitness goals where they wanted to achieve those together and the other person is not as excited or travel, right? If, if one person Mm. really wanted to travel with their partner and the other person wants to not travel. So, which gets down to don't assume Mm. and ask a straight up question. You're right. Yeah. Which may not be like, are you unhappy? It may be in the Sarah flavor, which I really like, is I've been noticing that it feels like you're distant and cold, whatever. And my go-to interpretation is that you're unhappy and that makes me feel insecure. So I wanted, rather than leaving that to interpretation, I want to ask you, like, I'm noticing these kinds of, um, this kind of energy from you. Do I have a read on that right? And if so, like, do you know what's going on? What's coming up for you? Yeah. Does it have something to do with me, with your life, a mix, a blend of and, both? And, you know, often in these times, we don't even know ourselves kind of, um, you know, what's contributing or what's causing a certain feeling. Sometimes we can yeah. just be like, actually, do you know what? I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just know that I don't feel very happy. Ah, so what might be helpful there is, okay, I get it. You don't know. Could I ask you to... Sort of sit with that or reflect on that. It would be really important to explore this. How could we explore this individually and as a couple? Because those are that's a really terrible feeling to feel, or that that means that maybe transition isn't afoot, or maybe we need to change something. Could I work with you? Could we work together on trying to get clarity on this? Yeah. But the other question you could ask is, um, is there anything I can do to help to kind of change things for you? Mm. Or even help you get clarity. Yeah. Yeah. What tends to happen is a stonewalling, like, no, uh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. No, you're doing just great. Everything is good. Well, that, you know, there's something that the partner, unless they're super anxiously attached and they're mm. really sort of reactive to things that aren't present and not there, you know, there's something to these observations, right? Like it yeah. doesn't come from nowhere. So I would say if you're responding to a question that's been asked of you, like, is there something wrong? Are you happy with me? Are you unhappy? Um, Rather than being like, no, everything is fine. Like just, you know, to mm. spend a second to think, how have I been showing up to this person, yeah. to my relationship? 
Is there something that could there be potentially wrong? Even something saying like, well, I don't know, but I am feeling X, Y, and Z. Mm. Even saying that it validates yeah. your partner and makes them think they're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You sound like you're reliving something there, Anna. <laughs> oh my god, I totally am. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, actually, I I am. Oh shit. Oh, oh I, see, I, I know you too well now. After I know, all this time I know. recording together. Oh my god, it's so funny, Sarah. You've hit the nail on the head. I have I have repeatedly asked what's wrong, and I've heard mm. nothing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's the stonewalling, and it's not that the person meant to stonewall. It's just that they didn't know, and they just hoped that maybe if they just ignored it so it would go, go away, away and it yeah. does not go away yeah. so anyways i i love the truth even if the truth hurts i love it way yeah. more than everything is fine you're just making this up yeah yeah okay sarah yeah. you're right <laughs> we've got to be honest with each other you know even if it is something that we, you know we often kind of stay quiet because we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings but what we don't realize is the impact of staying quiet is hurting the other person's feelings so you know either way but we do so we're either going to do it in a dishonest way or an honest way and you know we want to pick that honest path as much as we do it causes way less harm and i think the thing is too is that we have to be honest with ourselves and Mm. we can't be honest with somebody else if we do not be honest with ourselves and that is something that we really have to commit to in long-term relationship and it's hard. It's hard to take a look at ourselves because there's some stuff down under there that can be really, really painful because a lot of us enter a relationship thinking we're a certain kind of person yeah. and our our identity starts to change as we're in the relationship because we realize mm-hmm. we had built things on false pretenses, even about ourselves. Yeah. Well, sometimes we don't want to lift the lid and take a peek inside. Oh, I coach all the time around Chernobyl, the... <laughs> The, all the stuff lying under the dome of Chernobyl, I agree. Yeah. But if you can go there and measure with lots of like safety equipment and Geiger counters, you can actually go under the lid mm. in a safe ma- manner and explore. Yeah. Yeah. Honesty, good times. <laughs> we should have like the four C's plus honesty. Like there are the, um, <laughs> we haven't talked about the four. Um, we should talk about the C word with honesty. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm riled up. Sarah, it's funny, I'm having flashbacks. I, I like that you're <laughs> sticking with me during this PTSD, like... Say we need to get in therapy fast. <laughs> oh, shit. God. Don't we all? <laughs> Am I alone here, people? No, I'm not. Can I hear a hell yeah to the prior traumas of relationship? Hell yeah. <laughs> We're just getting better every day through all of our... Um, lived experience of our yes. of our past hurts yeah. yeah and we're learning and yeah well every day every day yeah all right well all righty that's another week done and tested my love. oh my gosh another week closer to like so much summer that we can't even keep our clothes on <laughs> <laughs> oh she had to do it right at the end. Well, you got a lounge chair, right? <laughs> like it can be clothing optional in your backyard. It can actually, we're not overlooked. Ooh, ooh, hello. Nudist colony of Sarah's house. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, summer, good times. All, All right. right. Well, until next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. 
Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.